Housing costs almost certainly eat the biggest chunk of your income. If you're a homeowner or want to be one, you probably have questions about mortgages. This week, we've got answers. Consider this episode your Mortgage 101 course. Welcome to Stress Test, a personal finance podcast for millennials and Gen Z. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe and Mail. And I'm Roma Luzio, the personal finance editor at The Globe. Every time we cover mortgages, our audience pays attention. People are looking for advice on how to get the so-called best mortgage. It's a contract where you borrow money from a lender in order to buy a property, and you pay them back the amount plus interest, usually over a couple of decades. About 200,000 people buy their first homes in Canada annually, according to the latest Statistics Canada data. Millions more owners need to renew their mortgages every year. That means a lot of questions about how to get a mortgage with the lowest possible costs. And now that interest rates are rising, we're getting even more questions about whether to go fixed or variable and what the best mortgage options are right now. Today, mortgage planner and Global Mail columnist Robert McLister joins us to discuss mortgage basics and the changing interest rate environment. Let's say I'm a first-time homebuyer and I have no idea where to get a mortgage. Can you run through the options of where mortgage shoppers can go to get a mortgage? There are, if you include the credit unions, there's about over 300 lenders in Canada. And that includes banks, uh, non-bank mortgage finance companies, uh, credit unions, uh, non-prime lenders, private lenders, mortgage investment companies. There are a bunch of them. Rob, is there any benefit to dealing with the bank or credit union that I know where I have my checking account and I can move money back and forth between my checking account and my mortgage super easily and where I know people and I'm really familiar with the institution? Yeah. So, you know, the bank channel is the most popular, right? Uh, Banks dominate in Canada. It's not like in the U.S. where you got like 4,000 banks in Canada. You know, you got the big six and then some some others. Uh, And so they have your checking account typically. uh, And, you know, people like to do business uh, all in the same place if they can help it. And so, you know, the banks have a big penetration. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about boring cost. What is your lowest overall borrowing cost? And, you know, what's the least amount of stress um, to get the mortgage? You know, that balance is, is what you have to think about when, when choosing between a, a bank or a broker. So if you go to a broker, then you're going to have much more selection. What would be the difference between getting a mortgage at a bank or through a mortgage broker? So you go to a bank and you get one lender's products. You go to a broker and you have a choice of a whole bunch of different lenders. And so why does that matter? Well, at any given time, one lender could have significantly better options or costs than another lender. So choice is better in general for that reason. And so, you know, if you go to your bank and, you know, because you want to keep all of your finances at the same place, that's okay. Uh, Just make sure that um, the mortgage you're getting uh, has what you need. And, you know, what most people need is the lowest possible borrowing cost uh, with the least amount of stress. And the least borrowing cost entails not only the interest rate, but the features of the mortgage. So big banks are notorious for things like brutal prepayment penalties, um, you know, limitations on uh, some of the the features like uh, refinanceability and, and stuff like that. Maybe they, you know, the big banks are not known for giving you outstanding rates when you ask them to refinance your mortgage. And so, 
you know, you got to take all these things in consideration and a mortgage broker can show you a whole bunch of different options. And at the very least, everyone should talk to a mortgage broker just to compare what their existing lender is offering. Rob, what things should I consider when contacting a mortgage broker? Yeah, so mortgage brokers get paid a commission. Um, you don't pay it out of pocket, but uh, the lender pays it. And so there may be uh, incentives to steer you to one place or another. You know, at the end of the day, you want a, a broker that is very experienced, that deals with a lot of different lenders, um, not just, you know, one or two lenders for 90% of their business. Um, you know, you want choice. And, you know, you want an honest lender and, you know, most people can talk to someone on the phone and get a feel for what type of person they are, you know, just after a few minutes of conversation, but you got to ask the right questions. How long you've been in the business? How many lenders did you deal with last year? You know, do you, you know, to offer the lowest rates uh, possible? Do you buy down rates uh, from your commission, which means you could trade some of your commission for a, a better deal. Um, now, those things are pertain to prime borrowers. Okay, these are we're talking about borrowers here that can get approved at a, at, at any bank, for example. If you're a non-prime borrower uh, that you know you maybe have bad credit or you can't prove your income or whatnot, um, or you have a super high debt ratio, then that's when brokers. Um, are much more helpful because they are the ones that have the widest access to the most non-prime lenders. And in that case, maybe the interest rate uh, isn't the main factor anymore. Maybe it's getting approved, period. Rob, the big question a lot of borrowers have is how much can I afford? How do lenders calculate that? <clears throat> so lenders look at a lot of things. The main thing that they look at is your debt ratio when it comes to affordability. And so that's basically your monthly obligations divided by your gross monthly income. And the result needs to be below a certain threshold. So say 44%. Um, and that determines generally how much you can qualify for. Obviously you gotta have good credit and there's a whole bunch of other things that go in the underwriting uh, process, but that's the big one. Now, what can I do to give myself the best shot at a good mortgage rate? And I'm thinking, what credit score do you need to have in order to qualify for the top rates out there? Well, you know, assuming you have uh, the minimum down payment, you know, you don't even need to have that out of pocket. I mean, you can get, uh, you know, if you have parents that are generous enough to, to gift you the money, um, that's an option. Um, you can actually even borrow the money theoretically off your credit card. I don't recommend that, but I've seen it done. Um, so step one is having a down payment, uh, assuming you have a down payment then uh, you know, to get the best terms, uh, you need good credit. So you wanna uh, aim for a credit score of 720 or better. You need uh, consistent, reliable income, provable income. You need uh, a reasonable debt ratio. So if your monthly obligations are like you know, 75% of your, your gross income each month, including your mortgage payment and all your other debt payments and stuff, you know, you're going to find it very difficult to get a mortgage unless you have uh, a lot of assets behind you or some other mitigators. Rob, let's talk about down payments. Conventional wisdom is that you should put down as much as you can, about 20%. Is that what you see most people doing? Well, down payments uh, can be, uh, can vary widely depending on how much money you have, uh, how, you know, badly you want to buy a home. Because first of all, you got to figure out if homeownership's for you. Right. If it is and you only have 5% down, which is the minimum in Canada for a good rate, maybe that's all you can afford. Maybe that's all you should put down. 
maybe you should get in the market now uh, so that you know home prices don't run away from you because you know average home price is about eight hundred thousand. If it you know even if it goes up with a long term rate of inflation, which is two percent, that's sixteen grand. Uh, more expensive the house gets uh, if you wait another year. Now, uh, we're in a different market now. Uh, prices are weakening. So people have, you know, you, you're not under the same pressure you were uh, a year ago or so. But anyway, uh, you know, with respect to down payments, if you want to avoid default insurance fees, um, you know, you have to put down 20%. I wouldn't get too hung up on that. Um, with an insured mortgage, you actually get a much better rate most of the time. Um, so it kind of offsets to a uh, much extent the uh, uh, mortgage insurance fee that you pay. And it, not only in your first mortgage, but your second mortgage too. If you switch to another lender and your mortgage is insured, uh, you can often, often get a better rate on that switch. People are really fixated on their interest rate when getting a mortgage. What are the other important things they should keep in mind? Yeah, so mortgages are not just about rate. They're about reducing your borrowing cost as much as possible. Um, you know, for example, the lender's portability policy. Let's say that you get a mortgage and you want to move to a new house three years from now. Uh, you want to keep your great rate because interest rates have soared, but the lender only allows you 30 days to move the mortgage. That's one example of a feature that can work against you. You might be forced to break the mortgage, pay a penalty, and penalties can be very high in this country. Uh, it's not like the U.S. where all the mortgages are generally open. Um, in Canada, your penalties can be, you know, two, three, four, five percent of your principal sometimes, depending on the market and the lender. Um, so you want to look at these uh, features that are going to save you money after closing. And then you got to figure out what's my probability of needing this feature? How likely am I to move, for example? You know, um, how likely am I to need more money? If you need more money and the lender has very restrictive refinance policies, that could cost you a penalty. It could cost, you know, you might have to move. You might have a lender that doesn't have good rates uh, and that tries to stick you with a rate that's, you know, uh, three tenths of a percentage point above the market. You got to think of all these things. And that's where a, a kind of a, a broker comes in handy, where these rate sites online come in handy. You know, you got to do a lot of comparison shopping. Can you run through some of the fees associated once you're getting a mortgage? Well, yeah, I mean, the big fees are, you know, legal fees, registration fees, you got to register the mortgage on title, uh, appraisal fees. Um, if you're switching lenders, there's a, a discharge or assignment fees. Um, and, you know, legal fees might be 500 or 2000 bucks, depending on what type of mortgage it is, uh, whether you're using a title a company or a lawyer. Uh, appraisal fees can be anywhere from 250 to 500 or more, depending on the property type and location. The discharge or assignment fees can be, you know, 75 to 400 bucks, depending on uh, province and, and type of deal it is and the lender. One of the things we're hearing a lot about today is the anxiety over whether to get a fixed or variable rate mortgage. Can you run through the difference between the two of them for us? Yeah, so a fixed mortgage has a set rate uh, and set payment for the full term. Contrasting with that is a floating rate mortgage. And there's two flavors of floating rate mortgages, and a lot of people don't realize this. And you have the variable rate mortgage that has a fixed payment. So, you know, prime goes up two percentage points, your payment's going to stay the same. What happens is you end up paying more interest and less principal. So, it take, you know, you're not paying your mortgage off as quick. The other flavor of a floating rate is uh, adjustable rate mortgage, an ARM. And that's where the, the rate and the payment move up and down with prime rate. Um, the benefit with that is, um, you stick to the same repayment schedule. So you're paying off your mortgage in the same amount of time. 
If you're a first-time mortgage shopper, you like the idea of the predictability and the security of a fixed rate, but you've heard that you can do better with a variable, what are the things to consider uh, when making a decision on which way to go? So this is a very personal decision. You know, there's all kinds of things that go into determining whether you should be in a fixed rate or a floating rate, but generally the big ones are your financial profile. Um, you know, can your family budget uh, handle a potential 25 or 30% increase uh, in the payments each month or in the interest cost? Spreads, uh, which means the difference between uh, fixed and variable rate. That's what we call the spread. That matters. Um, you know, if that gap is two percentage points, it's a lot different conversation than if the gap is, you know, 0.1 percentage points, right? The bigger the gap historically, uh, the more likely you are to do better in a floating rate mortgage. And the position in the business cycle that we're in matters too. I mean, if you, you know, last year was a good example. You know, we're at the bottom of a rate cycle. Um, you know, we have the market expecting higher rates in, you know, 12 to 24 months. At that point, you're much safer, uh, you know, other things equal to be in a super discounted fixed rate um, so that, you know, when rates start going up, um, your mortgage payment and interest costs will not. You know, two other things real quick, the five, your five-year plan, if you, you know, you don't want to be in a five-year fixed mortgage if you're moving next year, right? Because like I said earlier, there's big penalties involved and, and whatnot. Um, and lastly, your mindset, right? So, you know, are you going to get heart palpitations every time the Bank of Canada increase, increases rates 25 basis points? Those are the big factors that you have to consider. Roughly speaking, what's the split between people who choose fixed rate or variable rate? Historically, most people have a fixed rate mortgage, about two thirds of Canadians. Um, but interestingly, in the last um, you know year or so, actually in the last six months, the, I, I just did a, a story on this. The number of uh, people or the percentage of people getting variable uh, was 54%. That's really high. That's more than double the long-term average. And that's a function of you know people wanting to save money. Um, you know, that gap between fixed and variable uh, got you know, is pretty wide. And so, you know, people are conditioned to think that Bank of Canada is going to keep inflation near 2%, rates aren't going to go to the moon. Um, so they're going to take uh, a chance on the variable given that big spread. Will they be proven right? Uh, you know, only time will tell. Um, but, you know, when you have inflation that is three times normal uh, and still rising, um, you have much more risk in a variable rate mortgage today um, than we've had in a while. Let's say that I have a variable mortgage rate and I'm seeing all these increases in rates. Can I, you know, flip a switch and move to a fixed mortgage? Yeah, you can convert a variable rate mortgage to a fixed rate, um, usually anytime at no fee. Um, you know, there's uh, pros and cons of that. Sometimes you just got to lock in because you just can't take the, uh, you know, the stress of, of rates potentially going up or your family budget just, uh, you know, something's changed in your life and you can't take that risk. Um, but, you know, the problem with converting variable rate to uh, a fixed rate is that you're generally going to get a, a subpar rate from your lender because it knows you're a captive audience. It knows you got to uh, pay a penalty but most lenders, you're going to get a pretty shabby rate um, to convert. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, it's hard to time. Like, you know, assuming that you're uh, converting your variable to a fixed on a, just because you think it's a good 
timing to do so. Um, it's hard to be right, right? Like it, it, try, <clears throat> try trading bonds in the bond market and see if you make money after a year. It's hard to predict interest rates, even for, a, you know, over short time frames. So, you know, I'd caution most people, almost everyone, almost everyone uh, against uh, getting a variable rate mortgage because you think you're going to time the market right and lock in at the, the best time. What are the penalties for breaking a mortgage before renewal? If you have a closed mortgage, which means that you know, you're locked in for a certain term and if you want to get out, um, you have to pay a prepayment penalty. That penalty, depending on what type of mortgage you have, can be significant. So on a variable rate mortgage, generally in Canada, you, you know, your penalty is three months of interest, which isn't too bad. If you're in a fixed rate mortgage, your penalty is the greater of three months interest or what they call the interest rate differential. So that just means that you know, the lender wants to make sure it's getting what it thought it was going to get when it loaned you the money. And so it's going to charge you that difference between what you actually paid it and what it, you know, it planned on getting. So that differential, that formula is not standardized. It can be, it can vary dramatically. And the big six banks have, you know, for as an example, have horrendous uh, interest rate differential penalties. Rob, is there anything else that you feel that people don't know or misunderstand about this process of getting a mortgage? You know, I think people get so hung up on the interest rate. I think that, um, you know, you really need to understand all the bad things that can happen to you if you're in the wrong mortgage after closing. And that's where uh, features come in, right? You want a mortgage that has the most flexibility possible for the least amount of cost. And, you know, there's some some features that uh, people don't think about that can really help them out. Uh, one example is readvanceability. So let's say that you know you have at least twenty percent equity. You know instead of getting a regular mortgage, you can get a readvanceable mortgage. So that's a mortgage and a, a line of credit all in one. So as you pay down the mortgage principal, it creates a bigger uh, line of credit that you can use in the future for investment purposes, uh, emergency purposes. You know readvanceable mortgages make great emergency funds. You know we have, you know the financial experts out there tell you to keep an emergency fund. Uh, well, most people you know they're told to keep that in like a safe savings account or whatnot. Well, um, long-term, that doesn't benefit you. If you have a readvanceable, um, you can instead invest that money uh, in an, a different suitable investment, maybe a, a index funds or whatever is suitable for you, uh, earn a higher return and um, still have that money available uh, through the HELOC portion of your readvanceable mortgage anytime in an emergency. Robert, you just mentioned HELOCs. Could you clarify for our listeners what that is? Yeah, home equity line of credit. Uh, so that's basically a um, secured uh, a facility uh, where you can borrow money from your home equity. That's just one example, right? There's all kinds of other uh, things you got to think about too. Like a HSBC's variable, for example, um, fully open after three years. Well, okay, so let's say you have a regular variable and you have to pay that three-month interest penalty uh, because you broke the mortgage in year four, right? All of that, th those benefits have uh, a value to them. And so that's why it's important to comparison shop and figure out the mortgage that has the lowest overall borrowing cost, um, you know, assuming that, uh, you know, given the, the contractual terms of the mortgage. Thanks to Rob McLister for joining us. After the break, we'll have a mortgage broker answer more of your questions. To get another perspective on mortgages, we spoke with a mortgage broker. 
someone who works with different lenders. Angela Calla has 20 years of experience and is based in Port Coquitlam, BC. Let's talk a bit about pre-approvals, the practice of going to a lender to get a rate locked in before you buy. Why do I need one? And at what point should I get it? They're critical. If you are thinking of buying a home in the next five years, you need to start thinking about your pre-approval now because you need to understand based on today with where my income is and where my credit is, what plan am I going to put in place to ever buy a home? How much income do I need to show? As an example, in today's market, $100,000 in provable income qualifies you for a $400,000 mortgage. So what does that mean for you? What type of property does that look at? What type of down payment do you have? How are you getting a down payment? Financial planning is critical and you can't create a plan without a map. The biggest mistake people make is as soon as they get a job, they go out and buy a car. Well, if they have a $800 a month payment, that takes away $200,000 in mortgage qualification. So if home ownership is one of your goals, then way before you even think you're going to need it, you need to understand how your income, debt, and how you can save for a down payment to plug every dollar in the best possible place to get you a return, not only on your taxable income, but you know, in every single way to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success. Because this isn't something that you just think, okay, I need to move next month. I need to go get a pre-approval. It's a plan. And so you need to start way before you think you do. So you can set up a plan and make sure that you're plugging your money in the best places. Can you tell us a little bit more about getting a rate hold? How long can I get a rate held for me? I mean, I see rates rising almost week by week, month by month. How long can I lock in for? Uh, some lenders will do up to 120 days is the is average. Now, again, with the variety of lenders that are out there, some lenders that have the best rates don't do pre-approvals at all. Some lenders do pre-approvals for 120 days. Some lenders do pre-approvals for 90 days. There's a cost to that. You know, there's a why behind everything in the banking and mortgage and finance industry. And when you think about that why, you know, it, it costs money for the lenders to hold money. Pre-approvals, only about four out of every 10 pre-approvals go live. So for the banks to be holding money at a lower cost when they can lend out money at a higher cost or it no longer becomes available to them, there is a cost to that. Angela, how are the mortgage requirements different for self-employed workers or those in the gig economy? My understanding is that lenders like to see two years of consistent income. Correct. And again, it's about piecing it together. So if you're in the same industry and maybe you have contracts with these with specific vendors, well, then if we can piece it together and it makes sense and the story makes sense and it's the same type of industry, but you've just kind of shifted a little bit about how you get compensated, then there are lenders that have exception to that. So again, when you get when you invest the time to invest in yourself and see exactly what you need to do and where you need to go to get there, you're going to have the clear picture that's applicable to you. But you have to invest the time, and it's document-heavy. Let's talk a bit about interest rates, which are rising now. Buyers are subject to a stress test when they're getting a mortgage. For people who are applying for a mortgage, can you tell us how that works? Yes, you are tested for a mortgage at an, on average, 2% higher interest rate than what you're actually paying. So that test is put there because it's anticipated that they want you to be able to qualify uh, for the mortgage should rates go up 
on average, 2% from the time in which you got it. So knowing that that's the plan that all the lenders have in place, all of us Canadians should be navigating our mortgage and financial plans for that. And then for whatever reason, if rates go down or they don't go up as anticipated, you are the only winner because you have that access to the equity in your home um, that you have protected yourself with in the event that things did change. And, you know, you can do that in several different ways. You can either do that with your payment, or I recommend doing that on the side. So if you have an emergency come up, then, you know, you don't have to go into debt outside your mortgage at a higher rate to be able to navigate that. And so while it's important to look at, you know, your mortgage, you have to also consider how you plan your budget and navigate that to be able to have the most freedom in changing times. Angela, I've talked to mortgage brokers over the years and continually been surprised by their stories about how many people break their mortgage before the renewal date. Um, What happens if I break my mortgage? Seven out of 10. That's why I recommend a variable as well, because a variable is consistent. You're always going to have only a three months interest penalty. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with discounts. If rates go up, sometimes discounts discounts go down. You know, maybe that'll be the time where people can make their move because, you know, properties are, you know, not going in multiple offers anymore or whatnot. So if you adapt a fixed rate mortgage with a traditional bank, your penalty is going to be much higher, four or 5% to get out of. And that's the thing is you can't guarantee the timing of when you're going to need something. And that's why seven out of 10 Canadians end up breaking their mortgage early. So are you going to be someone who fits within that seven out of 10 or, you know, are we going to be lucky and not have any changes in circumstances? I know that I like to set myself up for the most amount of success to control what I can. So, you know, we can't foresee the future. We don't know. Are our relationships guaranteed to last? Is that person going to be the same forever? Am I going to change jobs? Am I going to be blessed with a pregnancy? You know, like, you can't guarantee all those things in life. We get a lot of curveballs. So I like to set myself up to be as successful as possible, utilizing every option that's out there. All right, let's finish things off with some rapid fire questions. First, what is the ideal down payment? There is no ideal down payment. It's whatever you can afford to get in the market ASAP. Okay, if I have extra money and I want to pay down my mortgage, how does that work? Easy. You either just email or call your lender, but don't do that until you are sure that you have six months of emergency expenses aside and that you can't plug that money into somewhere else to get a tax refund or more cash on hand. Make sure what you do is in your best interest and no one else's. It's a one-way street when you put money down on your mortgage. Okay. On the flip side, what happens if I'm a homeowner, I'm short money and I need to miss a payment? That's why you keep the money in your account to have six months of emergency emergency expenses. Um, you know, some lenders have that in their policy. Some don't. You contact them. You work it out. They're going to take care of you. But different lenders are different. That's why when you said gig economy, I know some lenders terrible for gig economy. And some lenders are really good at it and allow you to skip some payments. And especially like if unions go on strike and so forth. So again, interview the people you work with, make sure they get your lifestyle and goals. How do you get financing if you're teaming up to buy a house with a friend or a sibling instead of following the traditional path of going solo or buying with a partner? Very risky. You need to document it up the yin yang. And I can tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. I've done it myself. Uh, I wouldn't do it again. And, um, you know, 
I would do it with a spouse or, or no one at this point. But, um, you know, you got a lot to consider because not everybody is exactly who they are and influenced by the same people in five, 10 and 20 years. And you can't guarantee if you will or will not qualify down the road. So you need to have a real hard thought about if you really want to do that, what your outs are. We've covered a lot of ground in the mortgage space. Ultimately, we want you to know there are options out there when it comes to getting a mortgage, and it's about finding the right one for you. That's especially true as interest rates start to rise, along with anxiety about how much your mortgage payments could also go up. Everyone's situation is different. So as always, do your own research before you make your decision. With that, here are our takeaways. One, always get a couple of quotes on a mortgage rate. Your usual bank and a mortgage broker are a good start. Two, there's more to a good mortgage than a low rate. Ask about penalties if you need to break your mortgage and about how much you can pay down every year. Three, get moving right now to lock in a mortgage rate and a pre-approval. Even if you're just browsing in the housing market, it's important to have an idea of how much you can borrow and what your payments would be. With rates on the rise, locking in a rate is vital. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Kyle Fulton, Emily Jackson, and Zara Kuzema. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Thank you to Rob and Angela for joining us this week. You can find Stress Test wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a five-star rating. Next up on Stress Test, usually homebuyers are couples or single people, but some millennials and Gen Zs are teaming up with siblings or friends if they can't crack the market alone. We speak with some of these non-traditional buyers and discuss the risks and rewards of going this route. Until then, find us at theglobeandmail.com. Thanks for listening and good luck with that mortgage shopping.